It's a new year, and for a whole army of athletes, Tokyo is back on the map. And I've been talking to one of Team GB's brightest hopes for a triathlon medal this summer. Having finished in 7th place at the Rio Paralympics, George Peasgood is ready to go again, and he's feeling stronger and faster and fitter than ever before. George joins me on today's episode and he's got a fantastic story that you will want to hear about how he went from a devastating injury as a child to now being one of the best triathletes in the world of Paralympic sport. So if you want to find out more, come on in. Welcome to episode 13 of Trimia River. A fair bit has happened in the world since the last episode of this podcast. There's a new American president. The whole of the internet has become obsessed with sea shanties. Glastonbury's been cancelled again. Kim and Kanye have split up. And the London Marathon has been pushed back to October. Although they plan to still somehow have a record 50,000 people at it. Optimistic. Anyhow, one thing that hasn't changed is the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics. They are still full steam ahead for this summer, and I'm absolutely buzzing to say that I've got one of Team GB's brightest hopes for a triathlon medal joining me for a chat today. He's called George Peasgood. He comes from a ridiculously sporty family, which he tells us more about in the interview. He's 25 years old. He's got the experience of leading the entire pack out of the water in Rio back in 2016. And he's used lockdown over the past year as an opportunity to get even more in shape for what lies ahead this summer in Japan. And he has a hot tub in his back garden, which I'm too jealous of to even begin to get into. He was a fun and properly fascinating guy to spend time with, and I feel like we should just jump straight to it. We get through a whole host of topics, including leg lengthening procedures, Paralympic classifications, the ever-increasing profile of parasport, and even I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But let's go across to the big man. First things first, what about that hot tub? George, first of all, I want to ask you about a picture that I saw you share on Christmas Day of you and your parents in a hot tub. Um, Have you been... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have you been getting good use out of that over the past few weeks? Yeah, well, when the weather's a little bit better than today's been, it's been a, an easy way to warm up uh, without having <laughs> the, electric, the uh, heating on throughout the day. <laughs> so I just need to, be, I need to make sure I'm not in it too much, really. Yeah, our nutritionist and physiologist said don't spend too much time in there at the moment because <laughs> dehydration and everything. But um, yeah, it's been brilliant. Good way to get you through the winter. If you, if you don't mind, could you explain to us about the procedures that you had done as a child on your leg and how that affected you growing up, just for people who maybe don't know? Yeah, so um, it all kind of got started when um, I was two and a half years old. I had an accident with a ride-on lawnmower with my left ankle and foot, basically. So kind of from then, they managed, managed to save my leg purely from an uncle doctor through doing kind of... Uh, skin and muscle graft from my right thigh and kind of yeah I had quite a few procedures just around then around or surgeries around then around just making sure the the wound was clean and everything was kind of going well with that and it did a miraculous job kind of um, my ankle was had full mobility Um, my feet were the same size my legs the same lengths everything was going 
swell um, until kind of in 2000, I think it was like 2004, 2005, they noticed that my legs just started growing at different rates and clearly the growth plate had been kind of slightly damaged or affected from the accident. So they kind of did, they did a small operation in 2005 to kind of take, it's called, there was a physal bar to see basically if that was blocking the growth plate and just kind of stopping the movement. Unfortunately, that didn't work. So using kind of like my my growth rates and my, my age to predict my height, etc. They, they saw a gap in um, my growth spurts and I had a leg lengthening procedure in 2009. So kind of that involves like almost a Meccano contraption. Uh, you sometimes see people with them on or like especially if you have a really badly broken leg. So it's an external fixator that has pins going into your leg. Some just go down into the bone to hold it still. Some go in and out the other side. And at that point, they, for me, they broke my tibia and fibula and kind of severed my Achilles in a couple of places. And basically, you've got two points. You've got struts between them and you get a kind of a, a rotor of uh, a sheet of day-to-day of how much to increase the distance via these struts between the Meccano. And that, that's a nine-month-long procedure it was for me. And they managed to grow or lengthen my leg. Uh, I think it was 47 millimetres over that time. Uh, so quite a large yeah, growth <laughs> for one period of time. But they did, they did too good a job because my left leg's actually roughly 20 mil too long. And mm. longer than my right leg. Um, <laughs> like with, with the procedure, like a lot of things can kind of not go as planned. So I kind of, it gave me a semi-fused ankle. So I've, for, before that, I had full ankle range, inversion, inversion, and plantar flexion. Uh, whereas now I don't have any inversion, inversion. I only have like about 20 degrees plantar flexion, um, which points and toes down from neutral. So yeah, at the moment, as it stands, and it shouldn't really change. Uh, my left leg, which is my bad one that I had an accident on, is about two centimetres too long. Can't really move my ankle. And that's what makes me do paratriathlon. And um, had you been quite a sporty child growing up, even going through all those tough times with the leg? Or was it after you had the operation done and you were going through rehab that you thought, do you know what, I'd like to give parasport a try? Uh, yes, I'd always been really sporty. Um, it's kind of been in, in the family. Uh, I think mum's done 14 London marathons and God knows how many New York, Amsterdam, everywhere marathons. Dad's done quite a few himself. And yeah, always kind of did like all the school sports when I was younger, in primary school, secondary school and everything. Um, and it's kind of, yeah, sports been in the family for as long as I can remember, really. But it was only in 2007, my dad actually got a stress fracture when training for the London Marathon. Uh, so he did uh, some swimming and cycling as rehab, joined the local triathlon club. And then the year after my leg lengthening operation, the local tri club made a junior section. Um, so I joined the junior section because... By that point, Dad had done a couple of Ironman triathlons. Mum was doing some triathlons. My brother was doing triathlon. My cousins were doing triathlon. Everyone was doing triathlon. So I decided to do a bit of triathlon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was only after... Like, yeah, that, that was more for rehab, for joining the family, basically. Being a copycat. Something to do for a couple of hours on a Saturday morning. And it was fun. But it was, yeah, it was then um, one of the coaches at the tri club, Derek Jones kind of had heard of paratriathlon and that it was going to be in the games for Rio. Um, so kind of suggested, got me in touch with the head coach of British triathlon, or paratriathlon rather, uh, Johnny Ryle. 
and I, yeah, came to Loughborough for a time tidy day in 2011 and found out that I was classifiable, which I had no idea I would have been. Uh, kind of hadn't really paid attention to being honest to para sport before then because I was still quite young. And yeah, I started para triathlon then. Staying at it. Yeah, yeah, good man. You live in Loughborough now, is that right? Yeah. And have facilities been closed over the past year? Has lockdown made it difficult for you to train in terms of getting to a gym, getting to a swimming pool, or have you been able to keep up some sort of training? Yeah, so kind of in the first lockdown, we knew that initially that the pool and gym were going to shut and that like physio access would be very, very restricted, only kind of really, really urgent, like falling off a bike, doing a lot of damage sort of thing, you would be able to be seen and still then was very touch and go. So I think we had from March till about July, August, where we had no gym, no swimming. So at that point, I actually went back down to my parents' house. They live in the countryside, so being in the countryside kind of take my mind away from it a little bit and meant I could go and spend more time with mum and dad and the dog and be in the countryside and kind of almost kind of take myself away from everything that was happening in the world. Plus a big bonus of going back to mum and dad, the laundry and food shopping and everything okay. being there. <laughs> Which they also really limited my possible contact with anyone at shops, etc. So that was a, a massive benefit. Also, my mum's a private physio. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> handy. That was actually a really important thing. So, yeah, like I, I was able to get physio access back at home, which I wasn't going to get. So me and my physio, we would be on, on Teams, on Zoom, on FaceTime, just every week with my mum, doing like my normal metrics, doing like going over what's been going on in the week, any, any niggles or anything. It really allowed me to kind of stretch my training more and keep it as normal as it would be. Because obviously kind of without swim and gym, you could try and take the focus away and do extra other bits, but then the possibilities of injury or niggles or anything are so much greater. So that really allowed me to be able to explore some new things, um, which was really fantastic. And But then pools and gyms, we were told that elite access would be available. So came back up to Loughborough, got back in a pool and found out how much you need a pool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in, in, in that respect, do you feel like the delay of the Paralympic Games by a year has been a good thing because you're not coming out of the spell of not being able to train in a pool and suddenly you've got this extra year. Is, is that a good thing in some ways? Yeah. And while, especially with like everyone around the world has been affected differently. So it would kind of it would take everyone like to different places. And ultimately we want the games to be everyone on their best shape and be the best person one of the day. So we're kind of, if people hadn't been swimming for a couple of months or, or longer, like people aren't going to be at their best and, Ultimately, you want a you want a fair race, especially at Paralympics or Olympic Games, mm. um, and kind of with with how everything was at the time, um, there was yeah no way that it could have been held. Yeah, you're surrounded by some pretty good hills in the part of the world you live in. Do you like hills? When you get a race profile, do you like seeing a big brute of a hill in the middle that you can try and get away from people on, or would you prefer it to be a nice flat profile? Nice to hear someone say because a lot of people just say Loughborough's pound flat. So, <laughs> It can be fan flat, but there are, like, you've got the Peak District, like, go there for some rides and stuff. I prefer a race which is flatter. Um, I'm quite good on the bike, especially on the on the time trial bike, uh, which is the format paratriathlon races. So I, I prefer a flat race, but, like, I do like hills, and I wouldn't shy away from them. A race is a race, and it's, yeah. it's interesting to have them. Touching on the Rio Paralympics, where you, you had a great race, and you were, you were leading out of the water, and I remember watching it on TV, 
and there were some really incredible scenes when you came out of the water and I remember you like waving your arms to get the crowd going and you should definitely do that again if you're out of the water first in Tokyo and talk me through that whole experience like coming out of the water first having the crowds cheering just thinking hang on a second could I hold on to this what, what was going through your mind? Uh, it was buzzing I, I, I kind of had hoped that I would lead out the water but once again, some races are good, some races are bad. And I, I'll just, I look around, I think I look around and I was just like, wow, there's no one behind me. <laughs> and I, was just like, I was absolutely buzzing. It, yeah, like Rio was a fantastic experience. So it was, well, once in a lifetime, literally. Um, but it, it was great to kind of go to a games and whilst kind of two years out, I wouldn't have expected to race. So not having the pressure of being a definite medalist or anything was was nice. And it kind of, I got to experience the games atmosphere. We got to go into the athlete village after, really kind of embrace it all. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal to lead for the amount I did. Um, but I wasn't necessarily expecting to lead as much or uh, or do as well. Yeah. What, one thing that really fascinates me about the category that you were in then, and I, are you going to be in the same category this coming games? No, it's it's changed its name. So it was um it was a PT four, a tri four. It was one of one of the two. Uh, but now it's called PTS five. Um, so that category in particular was a mix of below knee amputees and below elbow impairments hmm. or below elbow amputees. That category's been separated into two, so it's below knee amputees purely, and then below knee impairments and below elbow impairments and amputees. Because I'm not a below knee amputee, I don't sit in that category. So it's I'm now PTS five, which is below elbow impairments and below knee impairments. Okay. So does that mean there is still an element of you possibly being stronger at the swim because of the impairments you have, but then other people being stronger at the bike and run? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I usually am one of the quicker swimmers and usually I'm one of the slower runners, which is quite mentally tough in a race, <laughs> knowing you're kind of being chased down and that everyone's aiming for you. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just the way I've had to kind of adapt and learn to race. What, what do you feel you learned from that race in Rio when you were being chased down? What, what can you take from that and then apply to Tokyo later this year? Uh, yeah, it was just it was kind of surreal. Like, like being at the front, it was... Not many people kind of, especially locals, didn't really know much of the race or the people racing the race. Um, so I was getting a, a lot of attention, but just being at the front or kind of in the top three. So at that time, it was yeah, pretty spectacular. And especially the amount of people that came down on, on race day to watch on along Copacabana Beach was phenomenal. And it's the most people we've had at a race ever. So I've kind of take, I've taken a lot about how possibly like camera bikes or different kind of attentions are just kind of drawn to you straight away if you're at the front end of the race yeah so i, I kind of know and I kind of expect what that's going to be like but similar to, to kind of most races now especially like bigger bigger races like world championships etc we we're starting to get more of that and where i'm kind of performing a bit better it's you kind of we're learning each, each race and the kind of the attention and fields and support is kind of getting bigger so it's it is really building up towards games and it'll be exciting to see if spectators are allowed in Tokyo even kind of what that will look like mm. with your strengths in mind do you feel like you need to be leading out of the water if you want to have a chance of meddling this year uh, I wouldn't say I have to be leading like I know with how much I kind of improved especially with my run side of things that I could take 30 seconds off a swim 
and kind of be around others and still finish 30 seconds quicker because of how much my running's improved. So we'll just have to kind of see where things are at, but it's obviously nice to lead out the water and kind of get a bit of a buzz from that, but it's no hard feelings if I don't, but obviously I would quite like to. <laughs> yeah. And how are things looking at the minute? How do you feel the training's going? Yeah, so building up from a bit of a winter block, I had a bit of an end of season break going kind of, I think it was October time. So everything's kind of been building up from then. I had really solid build up towards Christmas, had a little bit of time off then. Yeah, everything seems to be going in the right direction. I'm in a better place than I was this time last year for definite, probably similar to early summer last year. So it's looking really positive and we'll kind of just try and keep that progression going. And it's kind of, yeah, keeping that consistency with training, especially that I found has really kind of helped the last year. So it is exciting, but we don't know kind of where we'll end up. If we'll end up as even higher and quicker than I was last year, that would be fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. One of the really cool things about Paralympic sport in the past decade or so is the profile that it has been given, in particular with the likes of Channel 4 getting on board and yeah. profiling athletes and helping us as spectators get to know people like you better. Do you feel a sense of pride being part of the Paralympic movement and what it stands for? 100%. It is, I think previously it's kind of been possibly seen as others as a way of getting impaired people or disabled people into sport, whereas now it's actually there for performance. And a lot of people are really incredible and then especially with what they can do and how close they are even to their able-bodied counterparts is like phenomenal so yeah i'm really proud to be part of the, the movement and as you say yeah the, the amount of support that especially channel four had from london rio was insane and the amount of tv time that tokyo had put down to have for for the games was another big step up so as long as that still goes ahead and is, is what it was planned to be then it'll be phenomenal Alongside the performance side of it, though, you must inspire a huge number of people who have struggled growing up with disabilities. Have you ever got the chance to meet any people who have watched you and thought, oh, you know what, I'd like to give sport a try. I previously felt really left out, but now I've got into it because I saw people like you competing. I just I just do what I love. Like it's yeah. it's pretty I do just love sport and I love triathlon. So I'm just yeah. doing it because I enjoy it. And yeah. like, ultimately if even if it's not sport, like or even not even anyone that's hadn't got an impairment. As long as like you're doing what you enjoy, then it's that's all that matters. Especially with life and mental health and everything. Especially like at the moment, as long as you're enjoying everything, then that's all you could ever want. You mentioned about your your family being unbelievably sporty as well. Do you ever get out for family runs still now? Like over the winter, have you been out for big group runs to see who's still got the edge over the rest? Yeah, Christmas Day. It's a ritual. Family <laughs> run. Christmas Day. That was. And the hot tub was after that. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, go out with runs with mum, dad, and the dog. And my brother's also, yeah, really sporting, was one of the paratriathlon guides and did triathlon at a very high level as well. So I even I went up to, because he's based in Scotland, I went up and, yeah, did loads of riding, running up hills up there with him. And yeah, it's, it's really nice, especially go out with the family and have that bond. How have you managed with the lockdown side of the past year? Um, because a lot of people have really struggled. I, I work in a hospital setting, so I see lots of patients coming in who um, just really struggle being within four walls and not getting out of the house. Has that been hard for you as an athlete? Like, I guess you go out for your training, but then you can't mix with friends as easily as you normally would. 
Yeah, so that, that was one of the that was a really big reason also as to why I went home because it was just going to be me here in Loughborough and as yeah in four walls going out once a day for a bike or a run. That was a massive massive part as to why I went home. And then yeah, now with being able to go to like gym and swim and elite access or elite, elite athletes allowed to be going out for more i've really found that it's quite normal for me now like i'm not usually one that goes down the pub on a monday tuesday monday to friday (laughs) or saturday or sunday (laughs) um so everything now is quite normal but obviously at the start there was a lot more pressure but i kind of i really tried to take myself kind of away from that and kind of see the positives so one of the big things i worked on this year has been my running um and i wouldn't have been able to have such focus on that if it wasn't for coronavirus um so it was really trying to take a positive from every opportunity and that side of things especially like talking to the team so i can get getting the input so i could quite happily take my mind away from everything that was happening was really really beneficial for me but obviously yeah there have been a lot of people that have struggled this year especially being yeah in in four walls and not being able to get out not being able to do their job normally and stuff when it's has been a real struggle um but that's why exercise has been such a benefit for many people this year or just just going out for walks and stuff and mm. i'd encourage people to do that as much as legally possible at the moment even if it's a bit rainy outside just if, if you're allowed to go out for a walk try and do that because it does such good things for your mental health and physical health that other things just can't do mm. um, and one thing that has come as a bit of a byproduct of some of the success that team gb athletes have had both in the olympic and paralympic teams is reality tv so mo farah wasn't i'm a celebrity uh, before yeah. christmas johnny peacock wasn't strictly come dancing and there have been a few others would you say yes to i'm a celebrity or strictly off the back of tokyo if you got a bit more media attention potentially like, which yeah. one would you go for would, would um, you go for i'm a celebrity possibly like <laughs> I it, it, it would depend I, i'm quite uh i'm quite one that doesn't like take much taking much time off training so i'm not sure <laughs> i would cope with that aspect <laughs> um, but like yeah like if if it's gonna raise the sports profile as well as my my own then like you've got to take these opportunities and I'm sure it'll be a little bit of fun and I've watched I'm Slave quite a few years and it does look quite fun apart from some of the challenges which don't look fun at all especially the eating ones <laughs> but like yeah but if, if there's an opportunity like that to kind of raise raise my own profile and raise the sports profile then I'll, I'll take that Superb um, and if I was to talk to you again in one year's time in January 2022 what sort of year in 2021 would allow you to look back and say that was a perfect year no injuries <laughs> like just being able just being able, like to train and train happily like that's all i could really ask for even if for whatever reason well for covid or whatever reason tokyo doesn't go ahead as long as i've had a, like a good year and made the most of every opportunity then that's all i could ever ask for whether it's going to the games meddling winning doing whatever like as long as i've enjoyed myself and i've taken the most of every opportunity there then i'll be happy As long as I've enjoyed myself and made the most of every opportunity, then I'll be happy. Solid life advice from George there. Really, really sound guy. I have loads of time for him. And if you haven't heard of him before or watched him race, please keep an eye out for him this summer. Big things lie in store in Tokyo, I reckon. And give him a follow on Twitter or Instagram. At George underscore Peasgood is how you will find him. I think you'll be hearing his name a lot more in a few months' time. And I can't really top what George has said, so I think I'll leave it there for this time. 
But just before I go, I want to point you in the direction of a fantastic short movie I caught a few nights ago, just to get you through the cold, dark nights of lockdown. It's about ultra runner Zach Miller, and it's available on YouTube. It's made by a filmmaker called Billy Yang, and it's just called Zach. It is phenomenal. One of the best pieces of sport movie making I have seen in years. I'll throw a link in the description so you can find it nice and easy. Oh, trust me, makes you want to go galloping through the Alps with nothing but a couple of hiking sticks and a head torch. So, so worth a watch. Until next time, please catch up on all our old podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now also on Google Podcasts. Just search for Try Me A River and bam, you're there. If you'd like to get in touch, if you'd like to suggest guests for the future, if you'd like to just throw me a little message, please do so at trymeariver at gmail.com. And have a great start to the new year. My advice for the new year, be kind to each other, do some early morning runs outside, check in with your neighbours, switch off your phone for at least an hour each day, read, relax, and most importantly, swim, bike, and run, whatever the weather. And I will see you soon.